You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up Podcast on the Nana Music Network. the quaint town of Cary in the great state of North Carolina, USA. A big southern welcome to the Fry It Up podcast with Augustus Cho. FYI, this podcast can be seen on video via patreon.com backslash nanamusic, N-E-N-E-M-U-S-I-K. All right, today we're going to catch up with a group that's been around for a long time. And on today's episode, we're talking music in general and disco in particular. My guests are a duo of a group that's been around for the past 43 years. And that group is called Lime. Not many entertainers can claim such longevity, but here we are nevertheless. Obviously, like most music groups, they have evolved over the years, but through through it all, Lime is still here, going strong and performing regularly at number of venues, keeping the music alive. And with that, the Fry It Up podcast welcomes Joy Doris and Robert Huberts of Lime. Welcome, Doris and Rob. Hello. <laughs> it's hard to believe that it's been that many decades since uh, you guys been singing together. How's it feel? <laughs> well, Joy's going to have to take that one because I'm, I'm more the half of that time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Go ahead really long time rob that half 18 years that's like a, it's a lifetime yes it is so joy give us some timeline here so what's been going on here timeline okay so it was actually october of 1983 um that we had the american debut of lime was when i was asked to step into the group and to fulfill the female position and um we did our very first show at the saint in new york which was this amazing great club and uh that, that was our first um american show and then we went over to europe and came back and over the years i had a few partner changes but like i said rob has been um with me for 18 years now, uh, much longer than any other partner, and um, truly my other half. Yes, 18 years is a generation. I mean, 20 years is a generation. That's pretty close. So, Rob, what's it feel like to be uh, part of a group that's been around for that long, and you're half of that? That's a great great feeling, great songs. I remember when I first heard a lot of this stuff, even when I was younger, knowing these songs, and uh, to have that privilege to be able to step into that uh that spot and then and take over that role it was a great honor and uh, these songs as lime has a lot more songs than you would even know a lot of people don't put the the name to a face as as uh as so but uh we're talking about a good 11 top 10 hits you know what i mean a lot not a lot of groups could say that you know that's right and i'm old enough to been around for disco so <laughs> I enjoyed all those music. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm 65 now, so I've been around. So I can appreciate all those music that you guys have accomplished. Um, isn't it hard to believe? I know I told you that nothing was off limits. We could talk about everything, but don't <laughs> not go in there. <laughs> I wouldn't even dare to ask that question. But 
as performers, as entertainers, I mean, did you think that even now, after all these decades, you are still in demand to perform? Because many groups, you know, they want to sing, but they faded away. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's amazing sometimes. It does it does take you, you, you take you back a little bit when you see the crowd reaction to the songs like as, as if it was uh, 40 years ago when these songs broke, you know? And and what we have the also the privilege of seeing is as, as younger generations of like the people's parents who've seen us, their kids showing up at shows and and knowing word for word the songs and filling up the front air front rows and everything else like that. It's a it it does it does uh, take you back a little bit, you know. Joy, it's you have anything to add? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's pretty awesome. It really has been like this multi-generational crossover, you know, throughout all of these years. And and we love it. It's so much fun. I mean, that they people actually bring their kids or their kids show up and say, oh, you know, I, I learned about your mother from about your music from my mother. She used to play it in the house all the time. And, you know, if they're talking to us, we've been known to say, OK, call your mom right now. And we'll like, you know, get on the phone and say hi or shoot a <laughs> mom or something like that, because, you know. Hey, it's 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 great. I think that you know. Um, I think one of the the secrets behind our longevity is that we've never stopped. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like we're just we're just going and going and going, and so it just you know it just keeps going. And time just keeps flying by. And every once in a while, I will go like, "Wow!" You know, I'll be thinking about a show that we did somewhere or a country that we visited, and I'll go, "Wow, that was how many years ago?" You know, so. Yeah, it yeah. is amazing. It is. Um, if I were to ask you, Joy, say 40 years ago, close to 40, I guarantee you'd be singing 40 years from now. Would you have believed it? <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> well, you certainly would want it to have, but right? You know what? I, not, okay, so actually, or probably a very big secret of of our success, Rob and I, is that we have so much fun on stage and that's what the audience picks up on and they're sharing in, in, in the real, true, legit excitement that we have on stage. And um, and so when you're doing something that you really love, you kind of don't think about the end game. You know, as long as people are coming, we're going to keep coming out and performing. That's right, Rob. How about you? I mean, if I well, were to say to you, you know, 20 years ago, are you still going to be singing 20 years from now? Would you have believed that as a singer, as a performer? I, I would believe it because once once you're a musician, once you, you, you've you gotten to that level, I know you've done acting and stuff like that. Once you reach a certain level, you're constantly looking to keep that keep that coming back to you, you know? Uh, and so, you, so yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be in a situation where there's actually people that want to hear me sing still. So that that's always a plus, you know. And uh, yeah, it, 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 the energy part of it also feeds off. Uh, it's a, an exchange between your crowd and, and your and the music and everything. When once you have a crowd that's feeling that music and they're giving you that energy, you have nothing left but to give them that energy right back you know that's how i always feel when when you hit those first notes of those songs and people just start singing the song and i don't care how tired you were how many, <laughs> how many hours you were on the plane or whatever it is you forget about everything and and you're in the moment you know oh yeah i've seen your videos and you leave it right on the stage you know you have nothing left of me so that's a great thing um what is it about disco that would have lasted this long because you know when the disco first came out 
everybody was thinking, ah, it's not going to last long. It's going to die out. You know, that sort of thing versus rock and roll. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, every every genre of music, I think, goes through that. They said the same thing about hip hop, about freeze. Everything was going to be a phase. And, and, and in a year, you never, nobody's going to even know about this music. But there's always music is more of a a soundtrack of people's lives. So music and songs and everything always come, they fill in the background of, of moments that they, they remember growing up, dating or whatever it might have been, hanging out with different friends and stuff like that. So hearing that song or going to see that group play that song, it just brings you back. It brings them back to that time and they all want to relive that through the song. You know, that's what music kind of could do to that, do to you, you know, with that. That would Joy? be my... Yes. Joy, what do you think? I think that dance music, I'm going to, I'm going to just call it all dance music. Okay. I think that people love to dance and I think that it's the kind of music that makes you happy <laughs> and you can sing along with it and you can get it on the dance floor and just let loose and have a really good time. And so because of that, I, why would that ever go away? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, yeah, at least you guys know how to sing instead of <laughs> using those auto box, whatever that, you know, so you guys are actually live performers, which is great to see, right? Yeah. So you sing every note, right? <laughs> and then some. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I saw it. I've seen it. Um, let's give it. Ones only dogs can hear. <laughs> That's fine. Um, let's give it some context to who, who Lime is. Now, originally, um, this was a Canadian group. So why don't somebody pick it up from there? I'll let Joy take the, the, history, uh, the history questions there. <laughs> So Lime started out um, as a, it was really a studio concept group. It was a husband and wife team, Dennis and Denise Lepage out of Montreal, Canada. Um, Dennis, musical genius, no doubt about it. Okay. He wrote all the songs, wrote the lyrics, uh, played all the instruments, recorded them. Him and Denise did the vocals. Um, Dennis went on, he, he scored, he did many violin, violin charts for a lot of the hits that came out of Canada back in the day. Even, he even worked with Tavares. He worked with a ton of people. Musical genius. Um, there's a book that came out a few years ago called The Legends of Vinyl. And um, no, Legends of Disco. Oh, disco, Legends I was going to say no. Legends of Vinyl is the associate. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, Legends of Disco. And it's um, the book had uh, uh, 20 chapters, 20 artists. And I'm a chapter in the book. And so is Dennis Lepage. Well, that's great. What does it say about Dennis? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay. Well, anyway, what did it say about Dennis? It, it gave the credit in the book to Dennis creating the, the group. And, um, and my point about bringing up the book is that his story and my story is exactly matched. Mm -hmm. It talked about how they could not tour the group um, uh, for whatever the reasons were. I was not a part of that. Um, I was not a part of what happened up in Canada, but uh, the label bought the rights to all the music, bought you know the name, the whole nine yards. And then I was asked to step in and we did a huge um, search. Well, they did a huge search for a, a guy to step in uh, to take Dennis's part. Obviously I took over Denise's. And uh, we, that's when we found originally it was Chris Marsh uh, okay. who came. Marsh is the guy who's on the cover of uh, some of the vinyls with me and um and then uh there were a few partner changes 
uh, Benji King uh, was with me for a really long time. Um, Chris Todd was there for a long time. Uh, Brian Starcher, I think Brian only did one show. And um, and then uh, my last partner was Mitch Malloy, who years later went on to be the uh, the musician that they chose to replace David Lee Roth in Van Halen. And he started working with them. And then um, it, it, he stepped back. Actually, it was his decision. He stepped back and uh, before Sammy Hagar came in. And, um, and then I had stopped for a while and then got enticed to coming back into the group. And that's where um, Rob and I became partners. Great. Now, what did the book say about you, Joy? Uh, well, the book gave some history about me. Yeah, I had recording deals prior to of my own, prior to going um, into Lime. When I stepped out of Lime, um, I had my own album that came out on um, Epic on, on the CBS Associated Labels. With and one track was written and produced by Stevie B. You know, it was a little freestyly thing. It's two, two tracks with Louis Martinet of Expose Fame. So that had you know kind of that kind of flavor to it. And, um, so, you know, talked a little bit about that and how I came to be involved with Lyme and, you know, where we were at this point. And they're actually, that chapter ended, there was a picture, they mentioned Rob in that book. James Arena mentioned Rob, and there is a picture of Rob and I on stage in that book. Great. So is this a case where talent meets opportunity? Uh, yeah, I got a crazy phone call one day. Seriously, I just got a crazy phone call one day. Um, it's one of the, the the management for Lime in the United States. One of them knew somebody at a record label who knew me. They gave him my phone number. It was like, you know, one of those typical crazy music business stories. And they called me up and I literally walked into this management office, um, Cy and Eileen Berlin. It was the Linhart group. And um, they talked to me for a little while and they called Chris, who I didn't know at the time, out of the other room. And they said, the two of you stand next to each other. And um, Chris, put your arm around Joy. Joy, put your arm around Chris. And they huddled together. You know, we're kind of standing. He knew why he was there. I didn't know why I was there. And um, they had, you know, they, they had narrowed things down to, you know, to pick him. And uh, and then they just turned around and looked and said, okay, you know, you're going to leave for Holland in three weeks. And I'm literally standing there going, what? <laughs> I, had, I had no clue what was going on. and But yeah, we went right into rehearsals and that was it. So. Okay. This involves Rob in the end, but some of these like Brian, Benji and Chris and Mitch that you were partnered with before. So mm -hmm. what were some of the reasons that they would step out from line? Well, um, Chris Marsh stepped out because he went out to LA. He wanted to pursue acting. Um, he wasn't, it wasn't his thing, really. Okay. So he had stepped out. Brian Starcher. <laughs> Nobody's ever asked me this question before, but I'm going to be really honest. The truth of the matter is we did a show in Jersey and he walked out on stage and froze, just froze. <laughs> and I ended up trying both parts of the song. It was just, an, and he, that was it. And um, Benji King was with me for a really long time, but Benji was the keyboard player in, in Scandal. Remember Patty Smythe, remember that Goodbye to You video with the mm -hmm. blonde with the keyboards? That was Benji. And he had a ton of musical commitments and it just, it was hard. So he, he couldn't, um, he, and he was really kind of filling in while they were uh, getting Chris Todd ready. And Chris Todd, for a long time um that he was 
the wild child to put it bluntly, he was the wild child. And so it wasn't working where he was staying with the group. And so then when they put Mitch Malloy in, um, Mitch was a, a true musician, you know, um, honed his craft, the whole nine yards. And um, I ended up leaving before Mitch did because I got offered the solo deal and I went that route. Um, and uh, they replaced me um, with uh, somebody at you know, gave her my haircut, my clothes, <laughs> that kind of a thing. And, but it didn't really, uh, it didn't really work. So okay. then I came later. And then Rob showed up, right? Rob, so, Rob actually showed up at the airport. <laughs> yeah. So give us a story on that. <laughs> so how did Rob... Bizarre phone call. <laughs> Tell yeah, us. I was a, a mutual friend of ours. Actually, um, uh, a guy named Bobby Johnson was her road manager. At the time, and he, through the years, I grew up on Staten Island, and I used Bobby was a sound man for me. He did a lot of my sound and for different groups coming up, and uh, and uh, he he uh, knew Joy well, of course, working with her, and and at a, they were looking for somebody, and she said, "Do you think you, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you would want to do?" want to sing with uh with a lime show uh you know i could give you some tracks you could take a listen to it and uh, i was i'm the type of person that says yes to everything like oh, i'll figure it out later <laughs> i'll just say yes and if it turns out to be a disaster i could always bow up but i'm a i'm a yes man i'm like yeah sure sure you know i've, I've sang pretty much with every genre type of a band you know i did i've done everything so that was pretty much it. Yeah, we met at at the airport. We didn't. There was no auditioning. There was no. She never heard me sing before. And we just crawled up, got up on stage. Literally went from the airport to the to the stage. I got up and I sang for the first time in front of uh, thousands of people at Miami Airlines Arena. And uh, oh my. She was, <laughs> and she was like, "Okay, I guess you could do this." <laughs> sure. Was that was it? Sound check. <laughs> it was crazy. That's it was crazy. That's true. Yeah, we did a sound check. That's mm -hmm. right. We did. So she she got a little flavor first. That's, that's remarkable that you would just uh you know just come and show up and then uh, after a sound check start singing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's an equally bizarre uh, bizarro uh, phone call there. So yeah, it was like uh, very last minute. Then then it, it just jived. It worked. Everything sounded great. And and uh, you know, uh, and she was like, "Well, you, you think you would want to do this?" And I'm like, "Sure, I'll do it." <laughs> so joy. First time was, we saw. Go ahead. It was energy, and it, it it was like an explosion of energy on that stage that night. And like you said, yeah, it was the American Airlines Arena, and it was jammed. It was this huge show, and um. And it, and it was so much fun and just kind of, you know, when you just know that something is right, like, you know, it, we knew it was working. So went with it. But when you first saw him, what were you thinking? What were some of your thoughts? Because you never uh, really performed together. I will tell you exactly what I thought. I literally met him on the security line at the airport. We have to take off your shoes to walk through security. And he is six foot 100. And I am five foot two if I tease my hair. And I but <laughs> hitting armpit <laughs> I was like wow I hope this looks okay on the stage so I go on stage wearing like the highest heels I have you know <laughs> but no, I um, don't I don't wear heels <laughs> Thank you.
But you guys look good on stage. I've seen the videos, so you're visually very appealing. So I think it was, you know, a good decision. Thank and you. there's a lot of energy there. So, uh, but, you know, first time when you show up and the other partner doesn't know, that must have been one hell of a uh, scare uh, experience, Joy. It was. It, it, it was. Um, after sound check, um, I, I remember the promoter coming up to me. I was just on backstage and I was sitting on like, you know, the, the speaker cases and he walked up to me and said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And, you know, our sound check, it was a multi-artist show. Our sound check was not very long. It was pretty quick and, and, and he sounded great, but like, I had no idea what was going to happen when we stepped on that stage. And, um, so, yeah, but, you know, can I tell you, honestly, 15, 20 seconds in, it was over. It was like, he's got <laughs> it, you know? I, I I felt an immediate trust with him on stage, and that's a big thing for me. It's, that's a big deal, you know, to have that trust on stage, and I and I felt that with him. So beyond singing, he has showmanship, obviously, which you – you. Uh... So yeah. Rob, yeah, he did. He Yeah, he definitely. So, how did you learn all the songs, Rob? Uh, I'm just was so familiar, like I said, playing in and and bands growing up and learning. You know, you kind of learn how to crash, learn songs. And uh, Dennis, his original voice has had a, has like a raspy rock and roll type of thing, and that's kind of what I grew up doing, pretty much. You know, uh, in in the past. So uh, I remember hearing his voice. I was like, oh yeah, I, I could do that. You know, it's not going to be that hard for me to to handle that 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 voice. You know, so so the, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. All right, so Joe, I want to put you on the spot here about Rob. Was it his tonal quality? Was it his looks? Was it his presence? What what was it about that you felt like this is the other partner? Well, how was- how's she going to narrow it down to that? That's <laughs> <a problem. laughs> Actually, I I didn't even have to think about it. If he was, it was the energy. There you go. And it's still yeah. there today. Yeah. Um, Denise LePage, she sang real high soprano, it sounds like when I hear her. She's got mm-hmm. that real nasal, I mean, really high pitch. Um, you have that similar soprano level? Would you classify yourself as soprano or what? I'm actually considered a mezzo-soprano, but I've got a three-octave range, so I can hit those notes. Wow. Um, yeah, I had a show one one time in Manhattan and somebody from billboard was um, back in the dressing room and uh, my son was there and he was like, you know, at the time, probably 10 and a <laughs> and the uh, interviewer said, does she sound like this at home? And my son said, only when she's yelling at me. Cause when I get really mad, my boy <laughs> was like, please don't print that. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true son. There you go. <laughs> but you, but you have three octave range. That's pretty good. That's that's a, that's rare quality. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's very good. Um, so beyond Lyme, tell us something about your your who you are, your background a little bit, so that you know the, people can get an idea of what your background is. You know, either one of you can start. Yeah, Rob. My back, well, I pretty much, I think I filled you in my background. I kind of grew up, I grew up in Staten Island. I live in Long Island now, but I, I grew up, my, most of my whole life was in Staten Island. Staten Island had a very, a very rich uh, music scene. 
Like any, uh, it was one of those places that you just walk down the street and uh, there was always a band playing in a garage, you know, with the garage door open. And you always knew a friend of a friend that had some type of uh, band together that every, uh, it was just very, it's very, Staten Island as much as, I don't know if it gets as much credit, but it's very rich in the arts like that when it can, a lot of musicians come out of Staten Island. So that's, that's the environment I grew up on in uh, just playing in, in miscellaneous groups and I had my own, you know, original group for a while and release release music on that and everything. Tell us the name. So, yeah, what but was it was it? more more towards the rock and roll. But I my sister was a huge disco fan. She's a, she's a year younger than me. And she was always the big uh, disco fan and would go to disco roller skating and all those other other things. I, I would go with her as well. I loved that type of music too. I it had a, it had its own energy. I always liked every type of music. I never was, I never uh, you know encapsulated myself in any type. And besides, uh, uh, at, the, at the time, uh, most of the girls that that listened to disco music were were a lot prettier. <laughs> so I, I, started, I started realizing you know what maybe if i go out with my sister a little bit more i could i could meet some more of the prettier girls so and uh, most musicians really could stem most of their uh their goals were usually uh based off of that <laughs> trying sure to, trying to find that that's their attraction so what high school did you go to i went to susan wagner high school in staten island okay and uh what was the name of your band that you put out an album uh, Lust was a group. It was a almost like a glam rock type of group in the eighties, back uh, uh, like early nineties, later eighties, and stuff like that. So you, it was two still, EPs, two EPs, like independent labels. Okay, Did, are you still keep in touch with your band? Oh I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I still, so it's all all that stuff is released on uh, <laughs> uh, some. I forget the name of the actual company. They just picked it up and we released it on CD. You know, where you could buy it, download it, and everything. I don't have the actual information to with a file. I'm sure, sure, it could be sought out very easy. What do they think about you uh, still performing with Lime? Well, I, I, you get a little flack sometimes, sometimes with that, you know, like they, they look at it because they know where my roots came from and I'll get I'll get stuff for that. Uh, but it is what it is. I, I always looked at myself more so as a performer and as a performer, it's a, the the actual type of music you're playing is irrelevant in my eyes. You know, you just got to you. I'm sure you realize that as an actor, too, it's a. You know, you could be doing this type of movie and somebody else approaches you for that. You got to you appreciate the skill of acting, you know, to do in, in different roles. So that's the music is to me not the relevance. It's more of a performer. I, you know, whatever music it is, I'm going to I'm going to perform that music. I appreciate your humility. Um, your neighbors still consider you a celebrity? Uh, it, it's that Staten Island. I I definitely would, but I, I recently moved out to Long Island, so I'm starting out fresh out here. A lot of people <laughs> in the way, so it's it's kind of it's it has its pros and cons, you know. But uh, you know the you need to get your your tire change in Staten Island. I could pull up to to yeah, any any gas station. <laughs> they'll, they'll take me right in. <laughs> out here, it takes a little while. <laughs> yeah, anonymity is also good, right? I'm sorry. Anonymity is also good. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I appreciate anonymity. By yeah. the way, did they, uh, in Staten Island, did they ever get rid of that huge rubbish uh, ground in the oh. middle of the island? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's been closed for years. Actually, what, what happened 
it was even closed before 9-11, but they ended up reopening it because of uh, they had so much uh, processing to do of, of the rubble that they had reopened Stat the uh, dump in Staten Island just to, so they could as a processing area. But, yeah, that's been closed for years, a long time, you know. Okay. All right. How about you, Joy? Give us your background, including your high school and et cetera. Oh, my gosh. I started out as the most painfully shy child that ever lived. Literally would hide behind my mom's legs in elevators. And that's exactly what I was doing one day in New York City and a modeling agent. I was about four years old. Modeling agent saw me and thought I had what they used to refer back then to as um, a Procter and Gamble look. You know, it's a blonde hair, blue eyed little, you know, little girl. And it started out, um, she recommended that I start modeling to my mom. And uh, so I started out doing TV commercials and ads. And, you know, I was always uh, very small. And But back then, child models were child models. They weren't like 10 ma being made up to look like they were 16. And um, and that kind of snowballed into, into acting. And then somebody heard me at the acting school <laughs> sing, and that turned into music. And so I had my first recording deal. I was just barely a teenager with Lori Records. And um, it was a, a gosh, I've been just kind of realizing that all my ties are always to Canada somehow. It was written by a Canadian writer called Dan Hill. Um, that was a song called The Seed of Music. And um, I had I missed an awful lot of school when um, when I recorded that and um, did this little, you know, cross country, you know, going to visit all the radio stations, little tour. And I missed a whole boatload of school. And my parents were like, if you could do it now. You can do it later. You're going to get your education. And. You know, so then I, I just like kept up doing the TV commercials and the the acting, you know, here and there, doing little things. Went to school. I went to uh, a school called Woodmere Academy uh, that was in Long Island. So I um, grew up in Long, born in Brooklyn, grew up in Long Island, and uh, and then it was, gosh, I was just out of school really when I started with Lime, just like I, really. I, later it, it was just it was really it was it was really fast and um and then like i said stop with the lime went recorded as joy winter and then went back to lime again so and i live up in connecticut now <laughs> which is not far it takes me about an hour to get into manhattan but i live amongst like the cows and the horses i don't have any horses but that's who i live amongst <laughs> oh that sounds that's nice well He's that's home. great that is great. So I, I wanted people to get some idea of who you are as human beings beyond performers, you know. Um, mm -hmm. The original line with uh, Dennis and Denise LePage, I think they lasted three years or so, right, originally? About. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds right. Yeah, in, uh, give or take. Go ahead. Yeah, in their musical journey, because they were husband and wife and had a child, they have a daughter. Mm -hmm. And you guys, I mean, especially, Joy, you've been – Live for more than I, oh, yeah, I guess 30 years, maybe 40, right? Yeah, 40. 40. Yeah. 40. And, and, uh, Rob, you've been there half of that time. Yeah. Do you feel like you're the real Lime now as opposed to the, the, uh, LePages that lasted three years? Yeah, actually, it's, it's a lot of, I, I, I know where that, that would come from, but again, it all reflects off of the crowd. When when a crowd accepts you as that, and 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 where the face of Lime, as far as most of these people has ever seen, the, the when you're going back as far as Joy to forty or my even my twenty, anytime they see a picture, they know exactly who we are, you know now. Uh, so 
yeah, I, I, I really feel, you know, that they did accept us as that, you know, or else they wouldn't be, um, the energy wouldn't be at these shows. I don't think they would keep continuously show up. And we do shows where we're the only, we're the only act in some of these shows and it, it still fills the house just by ourselves. We're not, we're not riding on anybody's back or anything. So, so yeah, that would, I would say yes, definitely. Okay. Joy, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? say I have uh, I understand exactly what Rob is saying and where he's coming from and the greatest uh, nod to us is that when someone comes to hear us and they so enjoy the 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 party that they've just attended you know what I'm saying that they come back again and so many times we see the same faces um you know in Chicago or in Florida we we actually see the same faces and they hit us up on social media and they come back and they come back that's great and yes you know, that's, we are lying, you know, to them. For me, and I think it's probably because I stepped in in the beginning, you know, that um, to me, I feel not that I am Lyme, that I'm a part of Lyme. Um, I very much acknowledge where it started and who the creators were. Um, but it's very much to me, um, a group effort, but when you think about it, any artist, any recording, you know, anybody that walks into a recording studio, unless you're sitting there and you're writing everything, playing everything, you know, hitting the record button, doing the mix, it's always a team that gets you to where you are. And that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm a part of this team that has um, created this and brought this to everybody. Well, that's, that's very nice of you to say, but to me, I mean, 37 years <laughs> versus three, I mean, you know, I, I mean, most people I would guess would see you and Rob as being live. Yeah. You know, if they showed up at, at a club and it wasn't us, mm -hmm. they would definitely be very confused and not know what, what is going on and who are these people that right. desperately, but I'm just, uh, you know, my my reaction to that question is more um, more emotional. I understand. I think at this point, even if Denise and uh, Dennis LaPage showed up and started singing, a lot of people would wonder, like, who are they? They're singing Lime song. Definitely. I'm sure. Right? I mean, you know, truly. And actually, actually what Joy was uh, missaying before, it was called the Legends of Vinyl. There's a, mm -hmm. a, you were given an award from the Legends of Vinyl, one of, one of the first couple of awards that they, they uh, released. And it was it was called a legacy award, and the, the definition of their their award was somebody who's continued the name and kept the music alive through that amount of time. And I believe that's what Joy and I have have really did. It gave gave this music, uh, these songs in particular, longevity. You know, mm -hmm. it gave them a it gave them a longer shelf life. You know, otherwise yeah. it would be just one of those songs. Oh, oh yeah, I remember that song from back then. But this we. I think us staying out there and performing uh, through the years has, has kept those songs more fresh in their heads as not being something so far, uh, uh, so long ago. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you kept it alive. I mean, hands down, you guys kept it alive. <clears throat> the reason I ask is because, you know, Journey had originally Steve Perry as their lead singer, right? And mm -hmm. he was there for 13 years. Sure. But then, you know, Arnell uh, Pinata came and he's been there for 15 years. Now yeah, that actually, group, go ahead. Actually, a friend of mine, uh, Steve Ogieri, 
was the singer. He's from a group called Tall Stories, who actually from Staten Island in Brooklyn, that whole scene. I known him growing up as well. He was the singer for Journey prior to to uh Arnell. It just it was tough for, for Steve to, to tour. You know, yeah. his amazing voice and you uh, and of course he's the originator of these songs and he he it was his voice that was on that song that made those songs what they were. But you know, physically, he just couldn't. He just couldn't hold hold up during a tour, and he would be losing his voice and stuff like that. It wasn't. He wasn't physically able. But the the kid that uh, you mentioned his name that does it now, he's a, he, he does an amazing job. You know, he really can nail nail his. Uh, yeah. And he's he's doing like what we're saying. He's keeping that music alive and and, and keeping it appealing to a whole new generation of people. You know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um... Arnel uh, Pineda and Steve Perry. Yeah. One's 13 years journey and the other one, the new one's 15 years journey. Yeah. I mean, they're comparable, but in your case, I mean, three years for the original and then 40 years for you guys. I mean, yeah. Hands yeah, down. Exactly. I mean, you guys they were, are. They weren't touring a lot in, in the beginning to the, the three years. I think they did one show in Mexico. I think they did one show in, in Miami. Um, I'm not talking out of school when I say this because it's actually in the book, <laughs> but there were huge drug issues. And so the label couldn't tour them. And that's why the label had stepped in and, and we stepped in. So while, you know, a lot of people knew their name, you know, MTV wasn't like this huge thing back then or anything where their faces were so, you know, out there where people, you know, who they were but a lot of people a lot of djs like they knew their names and they would actually ask chris and i hand to god they would say so are they your parents you know because chris blonde hair and blue eyes as well and we'd be like and that would used to be our thing on stage we used to say no we're not married no we're not brother and sister <laughs> we have we would actually go through that um that whole story every time but um now uh dennis actually is no longer dennis lapage dennis um, transgendered, and he is recording um, under the name of Nini Noblesse. Um, and um, I know at, at one point Denise was thinking about coming out and performing, but um, that's not, you know, working out. So, um, but yeah, so <laughs> this whole like this crazy story behind this group, but. Yeah, it is. And, and Denise and uh, uh, Dennis LePage did divorce before, I guess. Yes. Uh, Dennis went transgender. So, you know, and that's okay. I, that's his life. That's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, all right. Physical talent. <laughs> yes. Uh, and they had a very unique look about them. But again, I think uh, for the majority of the people, you are the face of LimeNap. And like uh, Rob said, you've, you, you two have kept the music alive today. So, you know, that's where it, is, it falls. This is the end of part one. We thank you for listening and invite you to tune in the next time for part two. Meanwhile, join our growing family by subscribing to our podcast.